podcast where we link trashy movies and arty film, and we're going to say they're not too different. You can have fun with both. You can and you should. I remain uh, myself, one of your hosts, Nick, and with me as always is my partner and co-host, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Nick. I'm glad to hear you're yourself today. <laughs> I remain. Just checking in on whether you're still you. Yep. Well, it's, this is why we're doing the podcast, just so that we can weekly <laughs> remind myself. Just check I'm in. me. I'm me. <laughs> Etc. Which is the perfect segue into our movie today Mm. uh, about a man trying to figure out if he's him. I want to say that you're being comedy about it, but that's true. That's exactly what the movie is. It is. Well done. A great segue (laughs) this week. What is this, our 14th episode or something? I (laughs) finally nailed it. I got one at last. (laughs) One in the can. (laughs) So in case that's not an obvious enough tell for you, or you may have read the... Uh, episode title. Mm-hmm. Today we are talking about the 1990 sci-fi movie Total Recall. Yes, we are. Yeah. Get your ass to Mars. 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 Directed by Paul Verhoeven, we got Arnold Schwarzenegger, Rachel Ticketon, Sharon Stone, Ronnie Cox. Canadian treasure Michael Ironside. <laughs> this is uh, based on a Philip K. Dick 1966 short story called, and I love his titles because they're always like full sentences. We can remember it for you wholesale. They're so funny. They're so, I love it. <laughs> they're love always it. like, a funny thing happened on the way to the killing floor. Like, <laughs> yeah. it's always just like, whoa, you thought he wasn't going to go. Like, it was like a regular sentence yeah. and it got weird in the middle. And then there was science fiction in it. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Uh, and this is uh, written by Dan O'Bannon, Ronald Shusett, and Gary Goldman. We'll talk about their contributions later. Okay. And a great score by Jerry Goldsmith. A really good score yeah, it's by great. Jerry Goldsmith. Honestly, I was rewatching it and I was like, damn, this kind of fucking slaps. Yeah. Yeah. Gets the blood pumping. Makes yeah. you totally recall things. <laughs> I recall it totally. <laughs> I will plug Jerry Goldsmith right now. He wrote the, if I'm remembering this correctly, and I should be, he wrote the theme song for Star Trek Voyager which was the Star Trek that mm. I like grew up with as a child mm. like it was on and it was airing fresh when I was uh, when I was a kid so that's so near and dear to my heart yeah there's a part of Jerry always with you totally yeah, yeah. as you voyage through as the I, world <laughs> I'm the voyager <laughs> anyway back to our actual movie it's, yeah it says that on your business cards um <laughs> the <laughs> what business do I do you'll never know uh mine says traveler so it's very confusing uh the Movie today, let's all just give us a a rundown of what happens in it. Run us through it. Uh, So if you need a reminder, if you've never seen Total Recall, big ol' spoilies follow, as always. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to make spoilies catch on instead of spoilers. (laughs) Uh, It's kind of working on me enough that I didn't clock (laughs) what you said. You had no reaction. I was like, oh, I need to comment (laughs) on this. need to point this out. Uh, Anyway, Total Recall. Spoilies. (laughs) Arnold Schwarzenegger stars as Douglas Quaid, who is haunted by a recurring dream about a journey to Mars. He hopes to find more about this dream, so he buys a holiday from Recall Incorporated, where they sell implanted memories. But something goes wrong with the memory implantation, and he remembers being a secret agent fighting against the evil Mars administrator, Cohagen, who we don't really find out what he does a lot, other than it's maybe mining adjacent, and he owns all the air, basically. Yeah, he's a baron of some yeah. kind? Yes. Mars mining baron. Yeah, totally. Too. Very um, frontiersy. 
he goes home looking for a place to hide, but he finds his wife, Lori, played by Sharon Stone, uh, who attacks him, stating that their marriage is a false memory implant and that, quote, the agency, end quote, sent him, sent her to monitor Quaid. And uh, Quaid incapacitates Lori, runs off, and is pursued by armed men led by Richter, that's Michael Ironside, who's uh, Lori's real husband. So. Oh yeah, that's right. Yep. Oh yeah, and everyone is always ribbing him about like you. Uh, you let her go off with Arnold Schwarzenegger. You thought that was a good idea. How, <laughs> yeah. Uh, like, how are you feeling about that now? One of our earliest workplace cucks in a mainstream. Yeah. <laughs> movie, I Mainstreaming think. cucks, real early. <laughs> Thank you, Paul. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a shockingly large part of the. There's. The, the, I love the movie for like it's. Yes. It does that have that mi- good mix. Can't speak today. Mm. Does have a good mix of comedy and, and like genuine pathos. It's, yeah. it's good. But yeah, a surprising amount of the beginning where we're sort of finding out that like, yeah, these people are, are like you shouldn't have. You're never gonna get her back. You can't yeah. let her have sex with Arnold Schwarzenegger and then expect her to like. Yeah. And in another like, if it wasn't Arnold Schwarzenegger, Michael Ironside's the big tough guy. Like he's yes. getting out tough guy. He's getting out. Yeah. Out granite faced. Yeah. Out, yeah, well, out very distinct voiced. True. Gravelly. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's anyway. great. Yeah, you can see all the resentment behind his eyes mm-hmm. and all that. It's great. He's a resentful man. Uh, so Quaid leads uh, Richter on a merry chase. Uh, he gets a suitcase full of money, gadgets, fake IDs, and a video recording in which Quaid himself identifies himself as Hauser. Gets real. We get into the players right away. <laughs> Uh, and he explains that he used to work for Cohagen, but switched sides after learning about an alien artifact on Mars, and he went on, underwent a memory wipe to protect himself. This is all the stuff coming out now. Yes. While trying to piece together his past surrounding a mysterious rebel mutant named Quato, mm. Quaid meets Melina, a rebel woman he knew as Hauser, but who featured prominently in his dreams about Mars. He is confronted by recalls Dr. Edgemar? Ed- Edg- Edgemar? I can't remember how to pronounce his name. Yeah, Yeah. uh, and uh, wife, Lori. They tell him that due to a schizoid embolism, Quaid is trapped in a fantasy from the implanted memories. He had himself and Lori inserted it into the fantasy to offer a pill to Quaid to wake him up and, like, return Mm. to life. But uh, Quaid doesn't buy it. He kills them both, and uh, off he goes to find Kuato. Uh, we meet up with Insane Mutant Kuato, which, like, props to Rob Botton, who's, uh... It's so good. It's so good. Uh, he reads Quaid's mind, recalling a discussion with Kohagen and Richter about the Martian artifact and its purpose. During a raid, Kowato is killed, and uh, Quaid and Molina are taken to Kohagen, who plays yet another video. There's a lot of communication via video. Yes, a lot of people just saving speeches for later yeah. via yeah, disc. You're really banking all these, like, okay, yeah. in case he does this. <laughs> these are going to be the save points in the video. <laughs> sure. yeah. uh, in this video, Hauser explains that the Quaid persona was actually a ploy to fool the mutant's psychic abilities, because they can always sniff out liars. Uh, that Quaid could then infiltrate the mutants, expose Kowato, thereby wiping out the rebellion, and uh, Hauser wants his body back, so they're going to plug all of Hauser's memories back into Quaid, uh, and he doesn't like that. So Quaid and Molina kill everybody involved and escape to uh, the Martian artifact, where they confront Kohagen, flip the switch, and it turns on it creates a breathable atmosphere for Mars. Uh, and he saves the day, big heroic moment. Uh, and I like this, I just found this in like part of the synopsis. Synopsis. Uh, as everyone beholds the newly blue sky, Quaid momentarily pauses to wonder whether he is dreaming or not before turning to just kiss Melina. Yeah. <laughs> just like, I don't care. <laughs> Doesn't matter. <laughs> so there's a... 
That's my, Total Recall. That's my Total Recall of Total Recall. <laughs> We're gonna be doing this a lot. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I I kind of I was about to like interject, but yeah, I forgot mm. there was that bit at the end. There is sort of a they they let go of the premise very early that this new secret agent persona isn't real. Mm. That it is in fact like it's it's you know, we get enough shots of people outside Quaid slash Hauser's like, you know, field of vision basically <laughs> to to be sure, yes, they are talking about the fact that he is actually a secret agent. Yeah. We we know that's probably true. But they're they never quite let go of the the idea that maybe he's hallucinating all of it. Like, never quite. It's too perfect a setup, you know? Yeah. Originally. And to... This is why I love Verhoeven's movies in general is that, like, yeah, you take it on the surface. This is just Arnold running around and, like, shooting his wife and saying, consider that a divorce. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's right. real, like, superficial as hell. We are not thinking about it. But Extremely there... macho, gory <laughs> shit. Yeah. Yeah. Then there is that deeper, like, that. I love the scene with them. I can't remember the actor's name, but uh, the doctor from Recall and uh, Sharon Stone like confronting uh, Arnie in his hotel room, being like, none of this is real. Right, right, right. Yes. I love that for like, because it's been long enough since you're reminded of that, that you're kind of like, oh shit, this is all crazy. Oh, are we saying that this could just be, yeah, Yeah. false memories? Yeah, Yeah, they put it right in at a tipping point. Where there is, I mean, and then he shoots the doctor, who is the only one who could, if mm. this wasn't real, bring him back to, like, real life. Yeah. And so he just plunges right into it. Yeah, it's a really interesting, you can't, it's one of these wonderful, beautiful movies that we love where you could watch it earnestly or ironically. Yeah, absolutely. And you have just as much fun either way. Yeah. So do you think, here's the, like, the fun discussion that everybody would have been, <laughs> would have been having in the 90s. Do you think that... Uh, everything that happens from him going to recall in the first point is a hallucination or do you think that's all uh how do you take it how do you interpret this i mean (laughs) i like just leaving it as is but you know gun to my head have to interpret it which i have a gun oh shit good to know um (laughs) the if i have to pick one i'll come down on the side of not real oh okay. because i think it's a a more interesting story that way Mm. b it's just, this also kind of isn't fair because the reasons I would give are kind of like, they're just, not plot holes exactly, but they're mm. just kind of sci-fi stuff that no one, everyone just kind of skips over and doesn't worry about it. Like, Is it all the real super convenient uh, Things plotting? are so yeah. convenient. And the idea that like, and I think someone actually, a character says this in the movie, yeah. if the alien artifact was going to like save Mars, why did they never turn it on? Why yeah. didn't the aliens ever turn it on? Mm. Um just stuff like that. There, yeah, it's just there's a very convenient like evil oxygen baron, and a whole host of like downtrodden population that mm. he can save and be the good guy of, and <laughs> and you know. But that's that's just uh, one little bear's opinion. I'm the little bear. <laughs> For clarity, Aaron is a little bear. Mm-hmm. Um, you have a gun, and I'm a bear. <laughs> This has been garbage. Speaking of hallucinations, yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> we are on mescaline right now. <laughs> I'm more no, of a yeah, meth man. <laughs> meth man. That's, I, that's, my, that's my thinking. I like that. That actually, I was going to say the opposite, but I like mm-hmm. that. That does make it more fun because it, tur- it turns it into a, like, <laughs> it's not exactly this, but it feels like it checks just enough boxes where it's like, oh, here uh, is our white savior vacation package. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> 
oh, would you like to save the mutants? Yeah. The savages? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which, yeah. of course, capitalism would offer that. that oh, that totally. Is... They do it now. Yeah. You can go build a shitty, oh God, yeah. you know, school in Uganda, and yeah. then no one likes that you were there. <laughs> the future. <laughs> Science fiction. The future is now. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, it's not, it's, it's a more interesting story to me if he's dreaming the whole thing like if it's a, yeah. a procedure gone wrong and it does remove all the like when when the second video of hauser explaining the like you mm-hmm. are actually like a triple agent just like, kidding drops that at that point i find that almost laughable for the like it's just turning it's like, so convoluted yeah. yeah it feels like a plot point yeah. it feels very much like a plot point in someone's real life and you're like mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know about this. Which, like, again, you can totally just turn your brain off and skip over. It doesn't matter. It's fine to just accept that at face value. Yeah. Totally fine. Like that. That's fair. So what's what's your reasoning for not dreaming? I... Explain yourself. I... Because I like the idea of you're following Arnie on this quay, just on this whole thing, Mm -hmm. uh, and it is real to him, and all the big bads are all just like, oh, we gotta, like, reassert our control of this situation, and the like just trying to muddle his mind and convince him of it like that's that's a pretty good plan i feel that's like that's true that's that's very insidious and like oh what if they're right yeah which makes them inter- more interesting baddies than they would be in like your very carbon true. copy of this of this movie from another 80s 90s director so that like that makes just the the surface level plot a more interesting thing than it would be from another creative team putting together this surface level plot. You know sure, I mean? yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I hadn't thought of that. It does, pardon me, it does make the bad guys more interesting because yeah. that's very, that's sneaky shit. <laughs> I like it. You got Benny in there, which... Benny! Damn you, Benny. I'm going to make a list of cab drivers named Benny. <laughs> well, I got this, Roger Rabbit. <laughs> I want to say in Scrooge doesn't... We'll get there. Oh, it's yeah, fine. We'll probably, yeah. yeah. <laughs> As well, and we famously have Johnny Cab in here, but that's... Uh, We'll keep talking about it. Johnny Cab. Johnny Cab, that's Johnny right. Cab. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. So, long story short, doesn't matter. It works either way. It really does work either way. And that's yeah, why I like it so that. much. Is that It's just like, you can, your head cannon can be the right cannon. Yes. Yes. Everyone's right. <laughs> Though I do like yours more now that I've heard. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So I wanted to mention with the, uh, like I said, this is based on Philip K. Dick's short story. And outside of the first 15 minutes... Nothing to do with the Philip K. Dick story. Oh, okay, sure, sure. Yeah, uh, set up and then, yeah. I'm going to spoil the Philip K. Dick story because the thing it does have in common of is, like, weirdly convoluted for some reason. Okay. Um, the, like, diverging point is uh, Quaid getting home from Recall, Recall and, like, going to his wife and being like, ah, they're, they're after, after me. me. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jinx. But uh, when he gets back to his wife, he starts getting telepathic messages from his, like, controller, his secret agent, like, boss. Oh. Who tells him that he was, kind of unlocks the rest of his memories. Says, like, you're not just a secret agent. You're an assassin who just killed the uh, the opposing Earth Party leader. Oh, God. Yeah, so, right. real bad. Uh, so... He's Quail in the story, mm. not Quaid. Don't know why that gets changed. All right. But uh, Quail turns himself in and is placed with a psychiatrist to figure out what his own personal desires are so they can just implant that and overwrite everything. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, uh, he explains that when he was young, Quail used to fantasize that uh, he came across minuscule rodent-like aliens that were going to launch a full invasion of the Earth with their superior technology. However... Quail was so kind and accepting of the aliens that they decided to hold off their invasion as long as he was alive. Oh, oh, yeah. Okay, all right. 
While finding the fantasy intensely narcissistic, his commanders agree yeah. that there's no real harm in having that be the like the overlaid memory. I guess. And the final twist, that's the actual real memory. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. That is unnecessarily that's, convoluted. Like that's that's a classic, like, and here's a huge twist, it undermines everything that's happening. Yeah. But... <laughs> Because I, I do love that, like, I love Philip K. Dick premises, mm, right? That paranoia that is great. Like, I love his paranoid Oh, God, yeah. Stories. The first guy to just be like, hey, you know you can't trust your own fucking brain, right? <laughs> <laughs> no, please, Philip. I, I do love that setup of, like, is there any harm in letting them think this? No. Not really. Yeah. And then to be like, but it was real. Like, okay. Well. It actually controls the fate of the entire world. Yeah. <laughs> huh. Yeah. Okay. So just... Let your subconscious chew on that for a while. I'm gonna be thinking about that for a while. Yeah, I can see that being like a more introspective and more yeah, 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 much more internal, <laughs> ephemeral, and yeah, yeah, yeah internal. Sorry, that's yeah. I forgive you. <laughs> I'm so sorry. This is a Canadian podcast. Hell yeah. Um, so just some fun facts about this movie. I didn't know. So this is from 1990. At the time, uh, the budget was uh, estimated to be $60 million, one of the most expensive films ever made up until that point. Which, I'm not that surprised, I guess, but... Yeah, it's just kind of, you think of what comes, like, shortly after, and you're like, no, this looks like those movies, but this, like, set the trend for it. Oh, okay. For, like, the the blockbuster special effects extravagant show. <laughs> yeah, the tastemaker of excess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that wow. feels like a good Paul Verhoeven title. <laughs> yes. Yes, it does. <laughs> so this movie was, like, real plagued by production stuff, production issues. God, I can imagine. Uh, so I mentioned Dan O'Bannon and Ronald Shusett. They're the writers of, uh, famously, the writer of, of Alien. Okay, from... so we are talking, yeah. Yeah. It's like, I know that name. So they wrote the initial script together. Um, they, for Total Recall. For Total Recall. They bought the rights from Philip K. Dick while he was alive. Oh. Like they went and talked to him. Nice. Uh, they finished the script in 1975. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, they it, it went into active development at 1976. Jesus Christ. So the, it sucked making this movie oh, from what God. I understand. So just, oh, man. They went through like a whole stable of uh, directors just being like, how about you try Oh, God. I would, you try now. I can imagine looking at that in 1976 and being like, how the fuck would I make this movie? <laughs> wow, that's that's one of the worst cases of development hell oh, I've yeah. ever heard of. It's like circling the drain for years. Uh, the the biggest, the closest they got before this attempt was, uh, and I think you know this already, David Cronenberg got in there uh, and started yes, messing around. Yes, that's right. Which, sure, I can yeah. see. Yeah. Absolutely. Especially like... You get into the mutant stuff. The mutants were yes. his idea. That was his contribution. Oh, really? to it. Yeah. I love when you whenever you get Cronenberg in there. He's like, "Hey, what if everyone was a little bit fucked up? <laughs> what if everything just looked too squishy? What if you were? Yeah. <laughs> what if things were a little runny? Yeah. Oh, get David out of here. Get him the fuck <laughs> off this set. And it was supposed to star Dreyfus, Richard Dreyfus, in oh, the what? Arnie role, because the original version of the character is a like pencil pushing accountant. This makes total sense to me, but it's yeah th- to then be. I think it's funnier. I love Richard Dreyfuss, but I think it is funnier if it is Arnie because he's supposed to be just this meek, like he just goes to a nice construction job and, yeah. that's, and that's it. Like, of course that guy's a secret agent. Look at him. Look at him. Well, they even like, they were, when they, when Arnie came in, they were like, oh yeah, he'll be the accountant and do, 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 do. And <laughs> it was Verhoeven or one of the uh, rewriters or something came in and was like, that makes no sense. Look at this guy. This, he would like... <laughs> 
he can't hold a pencil without breaking it. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, okay. uh, just give him a jackhammer. And like, I'm on board immediately. That a makes sense. A construction worker. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Blue collar, boring. Yeah. yeah. No. And, and muscled yet, doll. Hell. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but Cronenberg, like I said, made the mutants. And Quato, Quato, he like brought in the idea of like the chief mutant who runs okay. it. And he's a psychic and all this stuff. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well. Cheers, Cronenberg. Yeah, so this Thank is a real, like, some of its parts kind of movie. Yes, yeah. yeah. But you never would have, I really wouldn't have guessed that this is, like, a patchwork thing. Yeah, I know. It feels, it makes sense knowing it after the fact, but it doesn't hmm. feel like that as you're watching. No, totally. Um, so the person who owned the rights from, like, the 70s was uh, famous 70s and 80s trashy filmmaker, uh, producer, I should say, Dino De Laurentiis. You were going to guess it. I <laughs> was going to guess Dino, yeah. <laughs> Fucking Dino. Oh, that's great. So he made Conan the Barbarian. That's one of his right. classics in there. Uh, and uh, since making Conan the Barbarian, he was trying to develop Total Recall like in uh, on, on the side, kind of. Oh, and okay. Arnie wanted to be the star of it. He loved the idea of it. Uh, and he was like, let me add it, let me add it. And Laurentis was like, no, you're a fridge of a man. You can't play an accountant. <laughs> but when uh, Schwarzenegger learned that Laurentis' production company was going bankrupt... Oh, that's he, when you slide in there. Oh, yeah. He jumped on it immediately. Yep. He called his agents. He called everybody that he could to, like, swarm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, and he got he got attached to Total Recall. He got everything for so cheap. He got he had veto power over producers, directors, writers. Oh, so did he just, like, buy the project out from under yeah. De Laurentiis? So oh. he should have been credited as a producer. But yeah. He was like, no, don't put me there because oh, I don't, okay. I just want to be the star. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. do the actual production stuff. I'm just stuff. having it get made. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he, this is like, you know, he's not a perfect human being by any stretch, but in terms of a professional working relationship, it sounded like a dream to work with Schwarzenegger on this. Arnie is one of the smarter people, like business people on the planet, for sure. Like Verhoeven goes, uh, all the interviews I was reading, Verhoeven is just like, oh yeah, this movie would be trash if, if Arnie hadn't like told me what really to do at certain steps. Charge, yeah. And he was like, he was in charge of all of the press. Uh, it would have flopped really hard if not for Arnie stepping in there. I remember hearing this story. Yeah, they were like not sure how to, they weren't marketing it in a way that would make sense to anybody. They, and Arnie stepped in and was like, yeah. no, no, no. Here's what it's about. Make trailers about this. They put out the first teaser right. trailer that was like two minutes long. Uh, and Arnie saw it after it came out, and he like called the president of TriStar yeah, or whatever Homer, it is, yeah. and he's like, "You got to fix this. This is I am not putting my name on this. You, you, Ooh. I have veto power on everything. I veto this trailer, make a new one, and this nice. is what it has to be. It has to show these shots. Like he was specific down to he's show so these. Smart. Yeah, he's such got a good a great edge for this communications man. guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, yeah, so from when he called up his agents, within 24 hours, they had the whole thing locked down. <laughs> And he got it for super cheap. The state in which he got it, he got it in the script uh, was in its 42nd draft. Oh my god. And it literally had no third act. It got to the end of the second act and then there were just blank pieces just, of paper. Just, I assume, a line of question marks? <laughs> yeah. This fucking script sounds exhausting. Yeah. The problem they Is were having... Is 42 a, a normal number of rewrites? I don't have a sense of... I think that it's more like 20. Oh god. Okay. So like thirty twice isn't absurd. The number of, but yeah. like you and have a no, whole script. Yeah, yeah. You <laughs> end up with a script, yeah. not whatever that is. Okay, but, like, oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, you could actually like follow it and be like you could just point to it and be like, maybe this part isn't good, but this you don't have just this a version of the script yeah. instead of yeah. 
Good. Yeah, and they said that every version of the script, no version of it was filmable in its state. <laughs> Good. Which um, is great. That's what you want. Um, so the the problem that everyone was having was like, it's this internal drama thing, but it's also an action movie. This makes no sense. You can't make this. Fair. Yeah. Which I think is very, very good and cute. So uh, he, our, the way that Arnie got Verhoeven on board, Arnold Schwarzenegger was at dinner, and he looked over and he was like, hey, there's Paul Verhoeven. He wrote and made Robocop. That movie rules. And he just went and talked <laughs> to him for like an hour, uh, then went home and he's like, fuck, I should have asked him to direct. Oh God! <laughs> oh, wait, oh, wait, oh, wait! Yeah. He, like, he went home and he was like, I need to find somebody to do a dystopian futuristic thing that has robots in it. And... Wait a second. Holy fuck! Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then Verhoeven in turn brings on Ronnie Cox, brings on Rob Botton. Michael uh, Ironside. Michael Ironside. Yeah. And uh, the third writer, Gary Goldman. That's oh, where he okay. comes in. And Gary Goldman wrote basically the entire third act uh, based on Thank you, Gary. Yeah. All right. That's so funny to me. I, I, when you said like it's a internal drama, but it's also an action movie. Like, yeah, there's precisely one person I can think of to direct that. <laughs> yeah. Oliver Yeah. <laughs> Where it appeals to any, everybody on the superficial level, and for those that choose to think deeper about it, yeah. they can. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Feel like exercising your brain today. Yeah. And I just think this is really cute. Uh, Ronnie Cox and Paul Verhoeven became really great friends on RoboCop because Aww. Verhoeven has a degree in math and a PhD in chemistry. Oh, uh, yeah, that's right. And uh, Ronnie Cox's wife has a PhD in chemistry. And so they would just, like, talk shop between things. And Ronnie would just, like, hang out and be like, oh, this, this is cute. You guys are cute. <laughs> I love that for him. Huh? I was like, that's adorable. Ronnie Cox is great. Yeah. So the big... The big, huge thing, like, a lot of people refer to this movie as, like, the last great practical effects thing, which isn't mm. true by any means, but... <laughs> Rob Botton still works. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it was, like, a big and big one, big boy. If this was, like, yeah, the such a benchmark in terms of, like, how much money you're throwing oh at God, it and yeah. how many things rely on practical effects to sell the movie. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and, like, because of the budget, they just kind of said to Rob, like, you know... If something needs effects work done, just do it. Do it, yeah. Like, the, the perfect example, you know when Arnie takes off, like, the woman's head and yes, it's malfunctioning? Yeah. That was just going to be, like, a helmet, basically. And just like, Foop. Right. And Rob Button was like, no, I'm going to... It's going to look like trash. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to ace this thing and make uh, this weird segmented uh, opening Yeah, that's right. This, m- like, yeah, thing. mechanical sort of, yeah. Yeah, it's great. Um, so neat. So they obviously won an Oscar for visual effects, obviously. Obvious, uh, but they also got the special achievement award in visual effects, which is <laughs> so cute. I I should have known What's about that? this. Yeah, it it's, doesn't happen often. It's not a required thing. Oh, this is an achievement that makes an excep- exceptional contribution to the motion picture for which it was created and potentially for the future. Wow. Uh, but it's there's no annual award category, but it almost always goes to visual and sound effects. Oh, sure. I can only imagine. There's yeah. some stuff for like uh, art. Right. And such in there or too. maybe editing or, yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's just like, bas- basically it's the Special Achievement Award being like, this movie would not be good without what you did to it. Yeah. This carries the movie. Yeah. Yeah. In a, in a like, in a groundbreaking way, I'm assuming, or like yeah. a new or like creative or, way. Or, yeah, this is a thing we've not seen before yeah. kind of way. Yeah. yeah that, okay. Which is just like, yeah, Rob. A leap forward. Get it. Fuck yeah, Rob Button. <laughs> Should have gotten it for the thing, but. He we'll... should have. <laughs> you telling me he didn't? I'm telling you he didn't. Don't tell me that. So sorry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I'm cut that part out. Erase <laughs> <laughs> it from my memory. Um, I wanted to mention Johnny Cab is very funny to me. So Johnny Cab <laughs> is Robert Picardo, speaking yes. of Voyager. Yeah, it's pretty um, 
tying that back in. Picardo's a funny guy. He's great. Uh, the reason that they made it what it is, like it's this little puppet automaton thing with Picardo's voice. It's yeah. also Picardo's head. That's a sculpt of Robert Picardo's head modified to look oh, puppety oh. and kind of. Okay. Yeah. So like if you made a department store mannequin of Robert Picardo yeah, and then like put the top better. half of it in a car. And the reason they came to it is because Picardo didn't want to do any of the head sculpting stuff. A lot of his earlier earlier career was working with Rob Botton oh. and he had like a lot of head sculpts taken and he had just like lost just his patience it. for it. This is that thing where you're in plaster and there's two straws yeah, poking at your like nostrils, 12 right? hours, so, yeah. you're just sitting there, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fuck It that. sounds bad. Yep. Um, but uh, Button had a head of Picardo left over from a previous movie. <laughs> As so, you do. So they built Johnny Cab, like the puppet and everything like that, and then they did auditions for the voice of Johnny Cab, and Picardo was going <laughs> and auditioning to be Johnny Cab, to his have head. the voice come out of his own face. <laughs> yeah, so it's just Upsetting. the most bizarre uh, audition process he's ever had to go through, but he's like, he's glad he got it because he doesn't know how he would take losing that, like... <laughs> That's like Charlie Chaplin coming in third in the Charlie Chaplin yeah. lookalike contest <laughs> exactly level of yeah. <laughs> you just never quite feel right in your own skin yeah. again. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. that's cute. Like what? <laughs> Did he get a say in whether or not they used his head? Like, <laughs> I couldn't find the specifics on it. I it seemed like it was just a, like Percarter was a good sport about Bot and just being like, hey, I'm okay. gonna use your head for this puppet, and Bot uh, is being like, yeah, sure. Yeah, all right, okay. <laughs> it's just Rob to Rob. I got a connection. <laughs> yeah. And the last thing I wanted to share is just like some fun, a fun anecdote from about working with Arnold. Uh, everybody, like I said, they loved him, and he wasn't so famous at this point that it was like, <laughs> right? Okay, it, sure. It was he was famous enough though that people were like, oh, I want to work with him. What's it like to work with Arnold yeah. Schwarzenegger? Oh, you're working on that movie because when when was Conan? That was like '86. I think it was is that like, earlier. I think it was like '76. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. but Haven't seen it yet. So from Conan, like Conan. I can't remember. No, he's not dubbing his lines. Somebody that isn't Arnold Schwarzenegger is dubbing Conan's lines because his he English hasn't wasn't good enough. Learned English yet? yet? Yeah. Right. Um, no, it wasn't that. It was that his accent was too thick. Like that's the fair. Arnold Schwarzenegger <laughs> we know went through English accent training. Right. And yeah. Everything. And that's what we came up with. So yeah. Fair enough. The best we could get. Yeah. Um, Bless his heart. But uh, this is one of the first times that he was working with like purely brand new people to him. He usually had like oh. his stable of people, and like he had his body doubles and sure. stunt double and stuff. So like not wholly new, but uh, everyone was just like Twitter painted and so excited to work with him. And like Verhoeven just kept calling him the soul of the movie. Like Aww. he kept everyone's focus between takes. He was just like the perfect combination of professional, charismatic to hang out with, and just okay. like. I, I'm going to say ball busting, but in a cute way. Uh, right, in a, like, motivating way. Yeah, okay. the the example that I pulled that I love, this is from an interview with Ronnie Cox that was talking about it, uh, from Ronnie Cox. He would come to me and say, uh, and here comes an Austrian accent, I'm uh -oh. going to try. Ryan Ronnie Cox, I'm a big famous actor, I play dueling banjos, da na 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 Like, yeah, like Ronnie Cox would be like crying laughing because Arnold would just go. Da, 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 da. Sounds like a fucking muppet. Ronnie Cox was in Deliverance for anyone yeah. who is yeah. He's <laughs> if we're not clear on the reference here. One of the dueling banjos guys. So oh. he would just be doing shit like that between takes because they had to take so many takes for all like the oh, effects I shots and, and just setting that all up and the lighting must have been a nightmare. Yeah. And Verhoeven and Arnold are both perfectionists with shots of like. If there's any chance it could be better, we will do another take. Mm. That's they're both Cute. pretty much those guys. Aw. Yeah. 
Just an unlimited amount of energy, that guy, I bet. Yeah, I am sure. How do you, yeah. Yeah, like he's, I'm more tired all the time than he is currently in his, like, what is he, like 80, 100? (laughs) Undying? Uh, I don't know, yeah. He is the Highlander of Austria. Unkillable. So now uh, we reach a portion where I'd love for you to take out the questions I sent you. Yes, I'm so I'm intrigued to see how this. Plays I will out. not be doing any more accent work, but uh, I just pulled a, a fun little exchange that I liked from an interview with Paul Verhoeven. Okay. So uh, I can't remember the interviewer's name. That would have been good to take down, <laughs> but you'll play that person. As always, only the highest of journalistic <laughs> standards here at Garbage. You Pod. get what you pay for. <laughs> Free. Okay. Um, all right, so I'm I'm the interviewer, yes? yes. Okay, here I go. Paul, oh. what attracted you to Total Recall? If I say that for me, RoboCop is about the lost paradise idea, that's kind of exaggerated, but it's something that to some degree is in the heart of the movie. Uh, and if I say that Total Recall for me had to do with fear of psychosis, that's the same over and understated situation, yeah? It has to do with the fear, a basic fear of myself, that psychosis is a way my brain could go. Holy crap, <laughs> yeah. Paul. Like this. Is what I assume the interviewer <laughs> then responds. Yeah. Oh. I, like that's so spooky. Much, so spooky and deep for like a run and gun. A guy's head explodes. Yeah. Like I don't. <laughs> fear of psychosis. Yeah. Fear of your brain turning against so you. So he, he takes Arnold's journey in this. The reason that he's so dug in about like, no, I'm Quaid, is that like, it's not that he's like got to do the right thing. It's that, no, I'm in control of my brain. Uh, I know what I'm thinking yeah. is right. Oh. Which is the like, that's the understated Philip K. Dick yeah, thing yeah. running through the paranoia of losing yourself, not yes. trusting your brain. You don't have a tether and it's hard to admit that. God damn. Okay. Um, okay. Paul, is there a religious level to Total Recall? No, although Philip K. Dick was a very religious, obsessed person. But Total Recall is based on ideas, just as Blade Runner, also from a Dick story, was. Uh, Of course, religion and psychosis might not be that far away in the first place. (laughs) Ooh, slam! (laughs) Tell us what you really think, Paul. Paul, coming in hot. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Uh, Paul, (laughs) did you make pretty much the movie you wanted to make? Yeah. Speak on that. I no. will not <laughs> elaborate yeah. on that. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. Thank you, Paul. Okay. Um, finally, Paul, did you discover anything interesting while making Total Recall? No. <laughs> this guy's such a shit. <laughs> oh, okay. Interview concluded. <laughs> yeah, that's all we got. That's wonderful. Oh, uh, that's great. Okay. So uh, thank you for participating in my fun interview time. I love that. I'm I'm as taken aback as I'm sure that interviewer was. <laughs> Did you make pretty much the movie you wanted to make? Yeah. Yeah. Did you discover anything interesting? Yeah. <laughs> okay. There's the door. Yep. Oh, that's beautiful. It's well, real... that's, that's great. <laughs> it, it really is just like, no, I didn't learn anything. I've worked with Rob Bottom for years. Yeah, I'm exactly. Good. Yeah. Yeah. I already knew all of this. The interviewer did ask a follow-up question on that, and he basically, Paul Verhoeven was like, yeah, actually, Arnold taught me a lot about how to make movies in America. Oh, okay. Oh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That I can see. Yes. <laughs> oh, I, you know what? Yeah, if you're, if you're rolling up to this movie with the idea that this movie is about your fear of yourself, 
and the impending psychotic break <laughs> that you might suffer as yeah. a organic being, you're not going to learn anything from this movie. <laughs> you already knew what this movie is you're about. You're coming in with way more than anybody's yeah. got to work with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bless. Yeah, wonderful stuff. With that, I would, uh, that seems like a good time to move into what your big takeaways from yeah. Total Recall are. Well, I guess I, I'm I'm leaning towards what the original premise of the Philip K. Dick story was, in the sense that it's about being able to trust yourself or not, mm-hmm. and and how do you how do you see yourself in your own story? Yeah, when when you're looking at yourself basically mm-hmm. in the mirror, are you trusting yourself to make correct decisions because you're you? And you think you're great? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how how much do you trust that in yourself? That ability to be like, no, I wouldn't do anything bad. <laughs> um, yeah. Hmm. That's that's what I'm that's what I'm going with. Yeah. I, I I'm really I'm realizing I am closer to Paul Verhoeven's original intent than oh, not. Oh yeah. And I didn't Very know that close. at all. Yeah. Like I did my little notes on on my takeaways and stuff before I got into all the interview stuff. And yeah, sure. you you nailed it. And I'm like adjacent. <laughs> Chalk one up for me. Yep. Yeah. So like how, yeah. How much do you trust yourself? And how much can you trust yourself? Yeah. Is there any concrete way of trusting yourself (laughs) if you're just a ball of meat and electricity? (laughs) I have that embroidered on a pillow. (laughs) So cute. Lay your head down on it every night and have Mm, stirring nightmares. (laughs) Horrifying screaming nightmares. (laughs) Yeah. So I mean, mine's, mine's pretty short and sweet. I like, you know. Obviously, there's there's other layers to it, like, oh, you know, what about this, like, masculine fantasy of, of mm. like, saviorism and, and what that means to sort of go in and, like, take charge of situations and yeah. like, people are literally willing to pay money for that experience it's and to feel big and strong. The and... literal definition of a power fantasy. Exactly, yeah. yeah. So there's, there's that level to it, but I, I feel like that's just the obvious, like... Yep, people will do this, and people can and have done this, and and it's just going to be subtler, but also more pervasive in the future. Paul Verhoeven is such a master of this little, like, everyday, like, crafting ads for, like, sci-fi movies that feel like they they happened yesterday. He's so good at this. All the the Robocop Starship Troopers stuff. So perfect. Uh, I, I, you've, we've all seen YouTube videos that look exactly (laughs) like the Would You Like to Know More videos. Anyways, so just like, yeah, putting that everywhere and like, there's, there's many layers. But the, the one that I'm going to go with is trusting yourself. Nice. And in that way, you're trusting yourself. You're making that decision for yourself. I'm deciding to go with my gut. <laughs> oh my god, I'm dreaming this. <laughs> you wake up, your embroidered pillow is just... Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, meat. <laughs> Zap. Uh, so for, for my part, I just want to reiterate that I think that none of this movie works without Arnold. Um, 100%. Like, the pathos. He's genuinely likable. Yeah, like all that charisma comes right through on screen. And mm-hmm. I don't know... Anybody else, especially at the time, that would be able to walk the line of like, oh, this is a serious thing where like the psychosis and all this, and also he can do the divorce line. Yeah, and... he can shoot his wife in the face or whatever and then be like, consider that a divorce. <laughs> That's nice. the best I'm going to do. So. It's pretty good. I like it. Yeah. Yeah, you got the right vowel sound. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, outside of that, just talking about the paranoia energy that, that comes up. So the... 
not enough of this, like, it doesn't fill up the whole movie, but it's the, every time we get to it in the movie that, like, the, I already said, the conversation in the hotel room with wife and doctor, that's just the, like, yeah, that's the good shit. I yeah. really love that. Taking it down a layer, yeah. Uh, but it's, <laughs> what I wrote down is, like, it, I really feel, like, internally at that point, Arnie is feel, saying to himself, oh, I forgot about all this memory shit. Uh, I was just being chased around and I completely forgot. Wait, am I real or a puppet? Like, just <laughs> that, like... He's having a little bit of a breakdown. And I want to like I want to say that this would be a big concept for mainstream action audiences in the 90s, but I was never a mainstream action audience in the 90s in 1990. So That's I, fair. I yes. can't say for certain. Uh, that that scene gives to like the back half of the movie that is basically everyone trying to tell him what to choose his identity and personality and like met, like choosing what to trust. Yeah. Uh, from an outside source, and he's... I guess it's kind of lining up with what you're saying, that it's... Uh, <clears throat> everyone is trying to choose for him, uh, but he's trying to choose for himself, and nobody wants him to choose the choice he's trying to choose for himself. Right, yes. Did you say choose enough times, Justin? <laughs> Could you throw it in a few more times, do you think? <laughs> really? Do you choose to? <laughs> really chewing on that sentence. Oh. Choo, choo, choose. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, we sort of linked up there. Yeah. I like the, the different flavors of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Different, yeah, through a prism, different perspectives. Hmm. Uh, yeah, so I'm going to throw it back at you to, because uh, now we're going to take this movie and create a double bill of complete with a marquee title that we always forget about. And think about <laughs> not this movie. time. Oh, you beat me this time. I did not think about it. Uh, um, we're so never going to learn. I would love for you to uh, take us away. Okay, well, I'm going to go, you know, continuing on my theme of trusting yourself and being like, okay, I know myself and I wouldn't do anything bad or I wouldn't do anything without a reason. Even if I don't understand the reason on a gut level, I choose to trust that's, that I know the reason, you know, other me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and even if it kind of runs counter to how I would behave or how I think of myself, I, I have to go with this, like, trust myself, trust the parts of me I don't know or I don't know mm. consciously, you know? I like Do you that. think I said no enough times? <laughs> oh, no. You're just talking about paranoia for 40 minutes, and now we're just like, uh, did I, oh, God. oh, God, what did I say? <laughs> did I say that, or did someone else say that? <laughs> just the sound of footsteps running away. Um, yes, so choosing to trust the parts of yourself that you that you don't consciously know. Yeah. So I'm going to pair this film with Looper from 2012. Oh! Very much externally about trusting yourself, even though you don't understand why other you is doing what you're doing. It's literally, yeah, made the visual spectacle of watching a man trying to trust. Yeah, trying, or trying arguing not to with yeah. himself made flesh. <laughs> yes. And there's no time travel element in Total Recall, but it feels like there is. Um, yeah, well, yeah. in a way, it's the time travel of the the mind. <gasps> yes, you're <laughs> traveling back to the time when you were Hauser. Yeah, oh, and are nice. you that same person now? Exactly. Ooh. Are you are you the same person? Can you be the same person after time has passed? Like, what does physically mm. living through time do and to having, you as a person? Yeah, like accruing those experiences and ooh. Yeah. yeah yeah so it's it, they're both sort of about you know on on one level like not being sure you can trust your younger self like old bruce willis i don't know like old bruce willis and young joseph gordon Levitt. yeah but... i don't remember the name of the guy it oh uh... bruce willis coming back yeah. um like kind of breaking out of this mold right of mm. of like the the syndicate or whatever it's called has a plan for him which is to go back in time and get shot by his younger self to yeah. avoid like 
being found out for all the crimes he's been doing for the syndicate, right? That was the deal. You know what the deal is. But then he panics and or they kill his wife. And so he's like, fuck this. I don't yeah. I don't care for that. And so he sort of breaks out of this this loop of like, we've agreed this is what you were going to do as an agent of the syndicate mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Um, he goes back. He he meets his younger self, just like Quaid slash Hauser does. <laughs> but the younger self is kind of unknowable to him because he's changed so much since then right. that he he isn't sure he can trust younger self. Yeah, there's you like, know? I feel like there's a lot of throwaway lines of like, ah, uh, you'll, like, it has the subtext of, you'll you'll understand when you're older. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you couldn't possibly understand. You haven't been through this yet. Yeah. And the younger self is like, fuck that. You're <laughs> old and weird. <laughs> I don't want to go bald like you. Yeah. And so the both movies to me are kind of about building on what's essentially like a, an unknowable foundation, but you just have to make a foundation out of it. Do I trust myself? Hmm. Do I trust the decisions I would make. Yeah. And I have to, you have to build so many bridges off of that foundation that essentially you can never know if whether it exists for real or not, or whether it's stable, because you have to then work with strangers. You have to trust them based on information that you got from yourself. But like, you, you don't know don't, how trustworthy you'll never that for is. Sure know. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Cause you haven't been there. You don't remember it. You don't know whether that's true or, you know, and it also happens to feature two mutants who are capable of, like, bringing down entire societies. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but for... Okay, well, this doesn't exact... This is where the movie sort of splits into, you know, the total recalls is um, the mutant is working for the good of society and right. the downtrodden and whatever to overthrow the corrupt society that runs the, the top of it, top down. Mm-hmm. And the mutant in Looper is ascending to the top of that corruption pile <laughs> top of the pile heap yep corruption heap <laughs> and uh and is about to like crush the the society underneath yes, by killing off the entire syndicate and like you know consolidating power yeah yeah and it, it just basically revolves around do i trust my other self enough to kill this little dude <laughs> that's that's <laughs> what i see of it yeah pretty much yeah yeah, I like that a lot. That you know, this Thank is just you. like I, that Looper could not have been farther from my thoughts on this movie <laughs> for some reason. But that that ties together really nicely. I like that. Thanks. There's a lot of the same like, and they both feel like big long chases. Both movies, I feel like totally. Yeah. Yes, yeah. Lots of locations yeah. and yeah, <laughs> and it has that that sort of wistful element to both. It's not as present, I don't think, in Total Recall, just no. because it is a, an action army movie. But <laughs> it's the you know, oh I something went wrong and I had to go into hiding and that's mm. too bad. Like I, you know, I've something fucked up. I have regrets from my past Yeah, and that's the same for Looper. He's just coming back and confronting this person that like he knows is going to go on to make all these mistakes. Yeah. It's a, like a real, I'm not that person anymore. Yeah. Kind of journey for each of them. But you were, you just literally yeah. are. And you have to sort of absorb that knowledge and, and know that you fucked up somewhere along the way and just like yeah. accept that as part of yourself. Yeah. And that's the, yeah, that like, getting to the end of that character journey of like, oh yes, okay, I'm I'm that and also my resistance to that, which makes me the new... Exactly, yeah. yeah. You can be both. You can yeah. be both things. And you can like create a personhood out of that. This is way deeper than I thought no, it was going to go, great. but like, you know I that like Looper. <laughs> one, one of my favorite things is just uh, extrapolating to extreme degrees yeah, what is it stretching the yeah. absolute shit out of it <laughs> that is wonderful I like that. thank you so you said you had a name for it yes i'm gonna go dramatic with it i'm gonna call this one mirror mirror oh, oh. <laughs> 
because it's off. It's like there's there's two fully separate and distinct scenes with Arnold talking to his his self That's himself. Right. Yep. And <laughs> and the entire Looper movie is just like head on Jogo and Bruce Willis looking at each other, muttering at each other. Yeah. Very muttery people. So yeah. Uh, rad. And are you, which one, I, I'm always obsessed with which, which one are you watching first? Ooh, okay. So I'm going to do, I'm going to do Total Recall first. Okay. And then segue into Looper. Nice. Yeah. Nice. So I feel like, honestly, the action, you, you can sustain the action through Looper. It's not a, not a thing of where Total Recall is so like fast and furious <laughs> and exciting and loud. And then it segues into this really quiet, <laughs> like borderline boring thing. It's It's not. It's two action movies Mm -hmm. to me. Well, you're right. They are two action movies. Thank you so much. So that's (laughs) that's my recommendation for a double feature deck. Sweet. Yeah. I like that. Oh, now I watch Looper. (laughs) Oh, we're going to. Don't worry. Oh, very good. This is my setup. Hooray. For my part, I... I, for some reason, got focused on trying to take the details I talked about and, like, find the drama equivalent. Like, really push it to that zone. Sure. As opposed to the action zone. The action zone. Action zone. Um, so I went with something that's the character drama version of the struggle for your identity. Like the struggle of like, oh, everybody's telling me I have to act or be this way. Mm. And they're trying to do these things to make me act or be this way. But no, I'm, I'm me. I got, I know what I'm doing. Like, leave me sure, alone. Sure, sure. That, that kind of thing. And that those two forces abutting. And for me, I am going with 1975's One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Because we, oh, <laughs> yay! My favorite part of this podcast has been when we are talking and it's just seeing the like the thing play through. Yeah, <laughs> I'm applying that framework onto the thing you just said, yeah. and then like, oh, great. For fun nice. superficialness, they're both made by uh, directors foreign to the U.S. that came to America after getting famous in their own countries. I like that. Oh, gracious! Okay, so there you uh, go. One flew of the cuckoo's nest is Milos Forman. Yes, right, yes. right. It's good stuff. We got Nicholson in there. I also like it because it's like, oh, let's take the two most charismatic actors of the time yes, and build yeah. a movie around them. <laughs> yes, totally. Where you're like, no, you're kind of a scumbag, but I like you for some reason. Yeah. yeah. So uh, for those not in the cuckoo's nest, no. Nicholson gets his ass thrown in an institution, mental institution, because he doesn't want to do hard labor in prison. Basically, he like... Which he, who does? He does a, like a fake suicide attempt, and, he's, and he kind of belabors it, like, oh, I'm not well. He's unstable, quote unquote, yeah. And then he basically says to camera the whole time through, like, I'm fine. I just didn't want to <laughs> work on a chain gang or whatever. Um, totally fair. Yeah. So he spends the remainder of the movie, and when I say remainder, I mean the entire, I guess, uh, <laughs> resisting Nurse Ratchet, who is attempting to control him with medication, with behavioral controls. Psychological controls. Yeah. Yep. And is trying to convince him that what she says is true, that he is a criminally insane person, otherwise he wouldn't be here. And right. he's saying, like, no, I wanted to come here. Because I'm smart enough to know I could sneak in as a not criminally insane person. Like yeah. it's the, this... He's really got to hold on to his, yeah. his like sense of self and his, I don't know what the word is. I know there's a word. Ability to like action things that he wants. Yeah. Yeah. I feel you like know. I should be able to pull that too, but I can't either. I know what you mean though. That yeah. the, the thing of like, I'm not going to let the outside forces change my external behaviors i'm not going to yeah. retreat into myself yeah which uh very good character for that i, I enjoy yeah no, i want to go watch what flew out <laughs> we've got a good list today and i like that there's the Aww. same threat 
hanging over both movies, which is we're gonna wipe your brain. Yeah, <laughs> in a very real sense. It's yes. Not not a metaphor. Not yeah. a metaphor at all. Ew. And uh, yeah. yeah, if you oh, haven't read the book great. or watched the movie, oh please do it. It's yeah, it's well worth your time. Yeah, it's uh, one of those ones that like oh it's old, it might be too slow. It's so good. It's so fun. It's so heartbreaking. Yeah, and, and like 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 I said, it is just like carried by the charismatic actor holding the whole thing together you got arnie yeah. and of course in one for the cuckoo's nest i'm referring to danny devito <laughs> <laughs> whom i literally did not recognize because he's so young and tiny but he looks so old in it too it's so weird <laughs> he looks like an old young person yeah, yeah. and like you got brad he's Dourif great. in there that... brad Dourif is so good he's so, I... such a little sweetie in it uh, absolutely one of the most underrated actors to live. Like, I, generally, the ensemble is fantastic. Yeah. But the, yeah, DeVito and Nicholson are my faves in it. Yeah. And, right. yeah, they do this the same thing. Of like like you said, like, on paper, if you describe this, if you describe Total Recall as the action Big Bang Boom movie or One Flew of the Cuckoo's Nest, I feel like you could get the same result from people who are just like, yeah, I know what that movie is. I don't need to watch it. Uh, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but they are so much better than they sound yes, on paper. It is, it's the execution yeah. that they shine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's such a good movie. <laughs> oh, that's so good because, yeah, you are you have this, like, okay, well, you know, you have that meta level as well of, like, this is being narrated to me by someone. Like, I'm being shown this. Mm. Is there an unreliable narrator here? Mm. Is there, am I just watching a fantasy play out, like a power fantasy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And like the That's great. the hotel scene that I keep referring to in Total Recall. Yes. And just puts me in mind of the group therapy scenes that Ratchet's running, which yes. is she's just very much like, no, it's like this. And then he's coming back like, no, I, I know it's not like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to articulate myself. And I wonder, I'm really curious what sort of the, what psychological medicine was like mm. in 19, what is it, 1975? Yeah. Um, Give you a hint. Not good. D- bad. <laughs> it ends in, oh, let's just well, try chopping up his brain. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, the idea, like, it, it's not you, you exposure therapy or, like, constantly butting heads with someone who's experiencing delusions is not mm. the accepted, like, modern way to treat. No, you don't confront those. it. No, exactly. Yeah. You can't just, like, bash someone's head against the, you know, reality wall. <laughs> And it, it, but it very much feels like you could read this as Nurse, Nurse Ratchet is not evil. She is just trying to yeah. treat patients who are unwell. Yeah, because at the time you would be like, no, that's not true. No, you're here you're for a reason. You're trying to assert reality on them. Yeah, yeah, just like calmly, like it's very insidious because she never yells in group therapy she, or like once anyway. she she kind of starts to crack a little bit under which is the whole yeah <laughs> being a over time <laughs> um, but i yeah like i remember watching it's very reasonable yeah i remember watching cuckoo's nest and like you have nurse ratchet is just a reference and like totally. i read everyone the book, knows that reference watch the movie and like oh she like i'm expecting this big bad awful person like screaming devil horns person no she is just she's literally just showing up and doing her job and i like, guarantee you everyone knows a medical professional oh my God, yeah. who is that and probably knows just a medical like, professional that's best. worse than that <laughs> oh 100 yeah they're just people yeah. on power trips of their own sometimes but yeah 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 oh god i love that so much that's so great <laughs> I'm going to watch all three of these movies together now. <laughs> back to back to back. Yes. Uh, and I'm doing the, like, I feel like this is what I default to, which is 
smarty arty movie up front and then sure and then big bang turn off brain yeah so cuckoo's nest total recall uh and i'm gonna call this uh oh no i can't think of a (laughs) uh we'll lobotomize you wholesale oh my god (laughs) yes a funny thing happened on the way to the lobotomy (laughs) (laughs) yeah let's go with yours i like that uh fun stuff yeah Yeah. all right nice What a nice discussion. We did it. Thank you, Paul Verhoeven. Thank you, Rob Button. Yeah. Always, always in our hearts. Yeah. <laughs> He's not dead. We just have him in our hearts. Yeah. I haven't looked up a lot about him recently, so maybe is he dead? Is he I don't think so. Yeah. He was a he's he was born in like nineteen sixty. Like Oh okay, yeah, yeah, he's fine. He's alive. Yeah. So, uh, thank you for joining us for for uh, this episode of Gartbidge. Yes. You can find us at Gartbidge Pod on Twitter and Instagram. That's G A R T B A G E Pod. Uh, Aaron, tell the people where they can find you. I will tell them that you can find me on Twitter at Macklebase M A C L E B A S S if you want. And uh, yeah, we're we're always on Instagram. Thank you so much to everyone who has been listening thus far. It's been a pleasure listening to all of you out there in podcast land. <laughs> Big podcast family. <laughs> uh, and you can find uh, me at Dick R. Navis, D-I-C-K-R Navis. Uh, on Twitter. Mostly shitposting uh, and yep. environmental news. <laughs> For something completely different. The classic combo. <laughs> uh, so please rate and review us on the podcast platform of your choice. It yes. helps people find the show. And I hope you will join us next time for another pile of garbage. Consider that a divorce.